0: How's it going, everybody? Ryan here from the Break the Business Podcast. So good to be talking to you this week. Have a couple fantastic interviews to play for you. First, we went deep into the vault for this one, all the way back to episode 51 for one of my favorite interviews with Bobby Ausinski. This guy is brilliant. He's such a great music business author, He's written a ton of really informative books, and he also runs the Music 3.0 blog, where he gives you great information about a lot of stuff that's happening in the industry right now. You would be hard-pressed to find a greater source for knowledge about all things music and music entrepreneurship. Check that out, Music 3.0 blog, and be sure to listen to that interview coming up next. After the Bobby Yawczynski interview, we have our interview from episode 89. Guy and Elon Ferdman from Satori Prime are going to be on that interview. And I like this interview. These guys are not musicians, and most of the interviews we have are musicians or music industry people. These guys are just entrepreneurs, but I liked this interview and I wanted to feature this interview this week because they give you some great advice about entrepreneurship in this interview and just really give you some strong motivation to never give up on your dreams. Even when things get tough, their story is super inspiring and I know it's going to get you through the tough times and if you love the stuff they do, check them out at SatoriPrime.com. They host the Have It All podcast. It's really terrific. I highly recommend it. All right, here we go. Bobby Osinski and Guy and Elon Ferdman coming up this week on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, is now available in paperback and in ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. He is a celebrated musician, producer, and author based out of Los Angeles, California. He has written 23 books about the music industry, including his recently released Music 4.1, a survival guide for making music in the internet age. He also blogs on his The Big Picture and Music 3.0 sites and podcasts on the Bobby Alcinski's Inner Circle program. You can find out more about his many terrific projects by visiting BobbyAusinski.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Ossinski is here on the Break the Business podcast. Bob-
1: thank you for having me, Oh, Brian. thank
0: you so much for joining us. Bobby, uh, you're a producer, you have multiple books, you have multiple blogs, you're a podcaster, you do everything. I'm pretty sure the only thing you don't do is sleep. Are you just tired all the time?
1: How did you know? (laughs) I knew it. Oh, hey, it's nothing that six more hours in the day couldn't fix. Oh, God,
0: couldn't we all benefit from six more hours in the day? I sort of envision you walking around with just an IV full of just very strong dark coffee that's just being constantly injected into your veins at all hours of the day.
1: (laughs) Not quite like that, but uh, I work a lot. But honestly, I don't look at it as work. It's fun. I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun.
0: Well, uh, you must be doing a lot of fun things. And let me start with a selfish question just for me. Uh, Hang on a second, listeners out there. This one's for me. I've written one book, one, and it was really hard. I may never write a book again because writing books is so hard. You, by contrast, have written 23. I'm impressed by people who've read 23 books. Uh, How on earth have you found the time for all this?
1: It's actually more than twenty-three because there's two or three out of the industry that I've done, plus uh, second, third, and fourth editions. So if you total it all up, I've gone through the process uh, over forty times.
0: Yeah, because uh, right. if it was twenty-three, you'd be a slacker. I should I should, I should like, give you credit where credits
1: due. Forty well, books. The only, re- <laughs> the only the only reason why I bring that up is. I thought exactly the same thing after my first book, and I think everybody has the same reaction, and that's, I will never do this again. Too many brain cells died in the process. (laughs) And I felt exactly the same way, but luckily my initial book, The Mixing Engineer's Handbook, sold very well, and my publisher would not relent in getting me to do a second one. And that was a little bit easier, but then when the second one had basically the same results in sales then it was well let's do number three and then by that time I sort of got in the swing of things and I got a method and how to do it and at that point it got way easier and I've used that same method ever since and it turns out to be and for me anyway a great method on the creation process regardless of what it is that I'm doing so um and I know you're going to ask, okay, what is that? <laughs>
0: well, no, I already know. The method's not sleeping. You've made that abundantly clear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, see, what it is is I think everybody in the creation process, and it doesn't matter if you're an artist or, you know, in a band, a songwriter, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing that happens. You tend to try to get things perfect right away. And when it isn't perfect... Then you think, "Oh, I suck. Oh, this is bad." Or you have quite the opposite reaction: "Oh, this is so good. I'm not going to change it." Well, I've I developed the the method again that works for me. It's a three step process, and the first process. Hang on, is, let me get a I'm, pen. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm writing a blog, if I'm writing a book, if I if I'm working on a song, regardless, doesn't matter. The very first pass is stream of consciousness, and I don't worry about, well, in the case of writing, I don't worry about any kind of grammar or spelling or any of that. I just get it on paper. And then the second pass, which has to be on another day, a completely different day, so there's some time away from it, then that I refine it, and I turn everything into paragraphs and kind of bang it into shape. And then the third day, third pass, is pretty much the polishing where I go back and I kind of look at it with, you know, very focused eyes and I may take a fourth or fifth pass as well. But by that time, I don't go any more than that because it just gets different. It doesn't get better. But that method has been very successful for me again, in all types of creative walks, because, you know, again, I, I learned how to do this quickly. And, um, it, you know, again, it, it's, it works for me. I'm not so sure it works for other people, but, you know, we all have to find our way on these things, and, and it took me way too long to find my <laughs> way on it.
0: Well, we're glad that you have garnered all the insight you have garnered by writing all these books over your career in the music business, and we're really happy to have you sharing that insight with us. And your timing on the show actually couldn't be better. Uh, since this is a podcast for indie musicians, I was thrilled that you recently recorded an episode of your Inner Circle podcast where you talked about DIY artists and whether musicians need record labels. It was was terrific, by the way. And in that episode, you said, and I'm going to try to get the quote about right here, now is a great time to be in the business as an artist. You don't need a label to do much anymore. Can you talk a bit about why that's the case in this day and age?
1: Well, thank you for the compliment, first of all. And I'm very pleased that you found it found that comment to, to work for you. Um, for the most part, we all know that there's plenty of tools out there for artists. And if you're willing to spend the time and do the work, and and that's kind of the key, all of those tools make it possible for you to be creative, to create your product, to market your product and to distribute your product without any outside help. Now, the caveat there is the fact that you have to want to do the work or be able to do that work, and many musicians, many artists, many bands, let's face it, it's a lot more fun to just create the stuff <laughs> than it is to market it and or distribute it or go through any of that other hard work. And if that's the case, then you're you're better off to have outside help and you really want at that point an indie label. But if you can do it yourself and the tools are available, then now's a great time to be able to do that. And not only, well, the the big thing with this is if you can pull that off and you can achieve some level of, of success, what that does, it puts you in a much better situation later when it Becomes time to actually negotiate with a, a record label because then you have some juice behind you. Right, then, you have some leverage.
0: Yeah. If it, if you yeah. do want to go that route, you can get some concessions in that negotiation that you wouldn't have been able to get otherwise.
1: Yeah, that's true. But you know, the thing about it is, everybody thinks that record labels are going to be replaced, and they're not, especially the major labels, because no matter what. You really need that infrastructure that they have if you want to become anything other than a star, so to speak. If you want to go to that next level after you've achieved a you know a certain amount of, of uh, stardom is a bad word, of popularity, you really need that major label infrastructure. And there's no way to recreate that cheaply and easily or else people would have done it already. Well,
0: it's interesting that you bring up recreating the major record label infrastructure because it reminds me of something else you brought up in that uh, podcast uh, about specifically uh, superstar indie hip hop artists Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, and you talked about how they were able to achieve considerable career success independently, and in doing, and they were able to do that by sort of borrowing that label infrastructure that you spoke about uh, and using it while still being able to achieve success on their own terms. Can you talk about how they were able to structure their operation to achieve the success they have?
1: Well, they're not the only ones. There's quite a number now. I mean, so much so that the, all the major labels and the major indies have created what they call label services, which basically means, hey, all of our infrastructure is available to you on a, on a per... Uh, per need basis. So basically, if you want to pay for radio promotion or you want to pay for distribution, y- you can now get it. You can get it, get what they're doing, but it costs you dough. So you have to have some level of success or at least some deep pockets someplace to help you with that. But that's exactly what they did. Now, they were an exceptional case because they already had a lot of things going for them correctly. They already had number one hits on iTunes anyway. And they had a hot album that had just hit number 1. So all labels wanted them to sign with them and they basically did the smart thing by saying, "Nah, I don't think we're going to do that." And instead they basically said, "How about we do a partnership deal and you get 5%?" Yeah. They and,
0: had, they had so much juice they could actually convince labels to take the back end of the deal instead of having to pay for things up front.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's okay. right. It, so it was almost really on their part.
0: It was almost sort of a reverse of a traditional label artist relationship. Where it's you know, we'll pay you the royalty label for all the things that you're going to do, and we're going to own our master rights, and we're going to control the project. It was a pretty interesting story to hear you talk about it. Yeah. Um, in the um, so you've been you've been in the game for a long time. You've you're musician producer. You have surely come across many DIY artists in your career, and as you've observed them all trying to move their careers forward. What mistakes do you think today's DIY artists tend to make most frequently in their activities?
1: Well, they tend to get hung up on one thing or another, either not being able to do, uh, uh, take a crucial step. And either sometimes what they'll do is they'll hit that crucial step and they'll stop and sometimes they just can't get over it for whatever reason. So, I mean, that that's a big part of it. The other thing is sometimes they'll just kind of give up before, you know, right on the cusp of success when they can just push a little bit further. And and let's face it, everybody has that, that point where you say, oh, this isn't worth it anymore. But the ones that I've always found, and this is in all parts of the music business, the ones that have always made it at least to the level of making a living from it are the ones that have always stuck it out and the ones that have always kept on going regardless of the good and the bad and the failures. And, you know, it's a big part of it, being able to pick yourself up after a failure and keep going. And and that's crucial in the business. It really is because if you can't do that, you're going to end up doing a nine to five job, just the opposite of what people you know join this business to do so you know you have to have that thick skin you have to develop it it's tough
0: and so and you speak of persistence and you said that for many artists that they tend to give up right when they're on the precipice of of hitting it big
1: well what seems to be the precipice, the precipice um or at least hitting it, you know hitting a break if, if you yeah will. yeah you know and again you look at them and you think ah. Oh so close, just <laughs> oh. hang in there just a little bit more or else, just please take this one step here by yourself, and sometimes what it is is just taking control of the marketing a little bit, taking control of the social media taking control of the distribution and instead they'll, they'll kind of let someone else take control of those things where they don't have the vested interest that the artist has but again, most artists don't want to do that Most artists, although uh, what I found, and you probably found the same thing, I'm sure, is the artists that really tend to jump levels and tend to be successful are the ones that take control of their career. And they look at all aspects of it. And even if they farm pieces of it out, they're always looking at it. And it's rare that you find an artist that just cedes all control to someone else and, and becomes... A success. Now, they may become a success for a certain point, but boy, things change quickly in the business, and, and if you're not on top of it, it goes away fast. Uh,
0: that's true, and I'd even go as far to say that the most successful DIY artists that I've come across find a way to make those business tasks, the so the social media stuff, the marketing stuff, they tend to see the creativity in those things and use their creative minds to make those interesting creative projects as opposed to just grunt work that's a means to an end. You know, and it's cool to watch like these very creative people come up with very creative YouTube campaigns or Facebook and Twitter campaigns and things like that. And that's where it can be really fun to watch some of these artists.
1: I agree. I agree. And again, we've both seen it where the ones that, that really take control in that area. And again, you, you don't have to do everything yourself. And it's probably not a good thing if you do, but the ones that at least take control of it and drive the bus are the ones that tend to jump levels when they need to.
0: So why do you think some artists are reluctant to take that control? Is it fear? Is it lack of knowledge? Is it time? Perhaps a little bit of everything.
1: Yeah, I think a little bit of everything when it comes down to it, but you know, most of it has to do with the fact that it's the music business But most musicians, artists, bands would just want to concentrate on the easy part, the fun part, which is music. And the ones that do find the business part kind of fun, kind of interesting, those are the ones that, you know, tend to have that kind of success. But it's not something that comes natural to most people. So, you know, and and I know uh, myself, you know, I, I was always in that camp where the last thing I want to do is business. And, you know, eventually you find that, well, look, if I want to get to a certain goal, I have to pay attention to this at least.
0: No, uh, it makes perfect sense. And, um, so for the artists who want to learn more, who, who are hearing this message of taking control of these operations of, you know, embracing the fun in these business aspects, uh, what sort of websites and blogs, including your own, of course, uh, do you think are helpful for indie artists to read to learn more about the industry? What would you recommend?
1: There's tons of great blogs out there. One of the—this the, is kind of a newer one, and it's one I like a lot, but it's on a much higher level, higher industry level, and it's uh, music business worldwide yes. out of the U.K. Yes. And I think it's only been around for a year or two that I've been aware of it but it's it's always really good material it's always um well written and again it kind of gives you a, a broad overview cuz it, it is on a higher level than a DIY although much of it does you know uh, apply as well so that one i like a lot um there's also a lot of really good courses dave kusek has a good course um he calls it uh new artists New artists, I can't think of, of what it is. It's NAM. I forget what the M stands for. But it, it's a really good course, Dave Kusick. Um, Rick Barker is another one. Oh, Rick yeah. Barker was uh, Taylor Swift's former manager, and he has some really good material, and he has a good day-to-day community as well that's very strong. Those are some just, you know, off the top of my head. Of course, uh, all the stuff from Ariel Hyatt is great. Um, leaning more on the social media side, but it's something you need to know about.
0: It's important, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, you know, there, there's a lot of, of really good material out there. Um, occasionally, there's there's really good stuff from uh, CD Baby, from their blog.
0: Oh, yeah, DIY so, Musician Blog. Uh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, And speaking of social media, uh, how can people find you on social media if they want to keep the conversation going? And how can people find some of the many, many things that you've uh, written and created?
1: Well, from BobbyOsinski.com, you can get to everything from there. You can get to the blogs. You can get to the social media. You can get to see some excerpts from my book, books, podcasts, (laughs) all all those things. And and it's kind of the central (laughs) hub, so you can get anywhere that you need to contact me from there
0: terrific and that's uh, o-w-s-i-n-s-k-i uh so uh, before we let you go and this has been a pleasure and you're so you know experienced on this stuff that we'd definitely like to have you on again uh are there any uh, final tips that you would share with the indie artists out there uh one more opportunity to have the listeners benefit from your experience
1: Well, I think what I said before, just to reiterate it and to reinforce it, persistence is the key in this business. And if you're thinking, of making a living is the new success, they would say. If you're in it to be a star, to be famous, maybe there's a better career choice that you have maybe you'll be lucky and it'll happen. But for the most part, all the people that are in it are really passionate or really, they, they love music and they'll do anything just to stay in music and, and make that their livelihood. So making a living is a new success. And the way that happens is to be persistent. Even if you have to work for nothing in the beginning, and let's face it, we all do. We all work for nothing or very little money. And sometimes it takes a few years to break through or longer than you might think. But the people that are into it do it gladly and are very happy to. So uh, what I've known from everybody that I started out with, you don't necessarily end up where you think you will, because I started with, I don't know how many musicians, we all started as musicians, and we all ended up in other aspects of the business, and have been successful in other aspects of the business. But it was only because that, you know, we hung in there and didn't become insurance agents or anything like that (laughs) along the way, which is, you know, a temptation sometimes to do some other things. And I got to say, I did that sort of, you know, at one point in my life, I should say, I became the, I kind of worked my way up to the international sales manager for an English console company called AMEC. And I was very successful with it. And I could have stayed there for forever, really, because I was starting to get comfortable. And one morning I get up and I looked in the mirror and it dawned on me. It was, I. what am I doing? This is not who I am. And I quit. And I took a big hit in the pocketbook, a real big hit. And it took me several years to recover. But you know what? It was the right decision because eventually it led me to do things that I was really happy about doing couldn't wait to get to every day. It's still like that every day. And I don't think that would be the case if I was still doing that. So all I can say is, uh, you have to kind of look deep down inside and say, hmm, do I want to do this? And if you do, then you got to keep on doing it.
0: Well, we're really glad you did do it. Uh, Bobby, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on with us. Ryan here from the podcast shameless plug time my new book break the business declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry is now available in paperback and an ebook the book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation promotion distribution and fundraising get your copy on amazon by searching break the business it's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them that's break the business declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry thanks very much for your support Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. They are entrepreneurs, motivational speakers, and coaches who founded the business coaching and incubator organization Satori Prime. They specialize in fostering entrepreneurs and helping people advance their internet marketing strategy. You can check out their podcast, Have It All, and the rest of their resources by visiting www.satoriprime.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Guy and Elon Ferdman are on the Break the Business podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh, what a terrific cut, audience! What a terrific cut audience! It <laughs> cut it out! Cut it
0: out! They're unusually enthusiastic today. I just—I mean, they must be fans here. They must, you know. I think—I think I got some of your have-it-all audience here. For it's the sure. Friday
3: crowd. It's the Friday crowd. We got them. We got them after the first drink. Absolutely
0: that awesome. That's right. I'm so happy to have you guys on. Uh, nearly all the guests we've had on this podcast work in the music industry. You guys aren't in the industry, but you're entrepreneurs, but more than that, you're entrepreneurs who help other entrepreneurs achieve success, which makes you a perfect fit to be here, because this (laughs) podcast is all about independent artists, and independent artists are the ultimate entrepreneurs, so we're thankful that you guys are giving us your time so you can share your insight with us. First off, can you tell the listeners a bit about your background and how you got into the work you currently do? Yeah, Yeah, so...
2: So real quick, I just want to say we're not artists in the sense of musicians, but Guy and I have been DJing. I've been DJing for the last, I want to say almost like 10 or 11 years. So um, not instrumentally inclined, but but kind of, I guess, in the music business. Um, so Satori Prime. Uh, All right, your bona
0: fides check out. We'll let you in. It's cool. Yeah,
3: (laughs) I don't think they think of it the same way. I remember a guitar, a guitarist, like reached out to me one time. He's like, "So what are you doing, pushing buttons?" I'm like, "Kinda."
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we we really like good music. Um, So Satori Prime, we actually got started in the personal development coaching space as far back as two thousand and three. At the time, we were both in finance, and when we got our asses handed to us back in um, 2008, the world ended. But we kind of survived for another two years, and then got our asses handed to us. Um, And at that point, we kind of looked and asked each other, you know, if money wasn't an issue. um, And I just want to be very clear that money was very much an issue. In fact, Guy sold his car and moved back with my parents. My house was in foreclosure. Like I was living on unemployment checks. And we just thought, okay, if we're going to do something, what are we going to spend the rest of our lives doing? And the thing that we loved to do more than anything else in the world and that we would do for free was to impact people's lives and and help them transform and live the best possible lives that they can. And so in this fertile ground of really poverty, uh, Guy had a wonderful idea that we should start a business. Um, and so we did. And we survived many ups and downs and uh, have done amazing things. We, we, When we actually started, we didn't become coaches right away. We kind of went into the uh, online marketing, affiliate marketing world and got really, really good at that. And so that helped us build a business. And then um, in the last about year and a half, we've fully transitioned out of that and into just coaching, which is what we love to do and why we built Satori Prime in the first place. And now it's just finding people that are wanting to live their passion, wanting to have liberated self-expression. And as we say in our world, want to have it all uh, attend in every area of their life. And that's, that's what we offer people.
0: You're definitely speaking to my listeners with that because what are independent musicians, but people who've basically decided that they're going to do what they would do, even if they had to do it for free, as many independent artists have to, but they're, Mm-mm. you're, you know, the folks that are here are in this because they're passionate about it. And so you're, you're yep. just the people to talk to and being an indie artist requires a very strong entrepreneurial spirit. You can't wait for others to create opportunities for you. You got to find those opportunities for yourself and something, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not the same kind of career entrepreneur that you folks are, but I have been around enough of these musicians to know that entrepreneurial ability is sort of a special skill set. And there are plenty of very talented musicians out there that I have encountered that have trouble achieving success, not because they don't have the musical ability, but because the entrepreneurial ability is not there. And so my question would be, do you think that everyone has it within them to be a successful entrepreneur or is it something that's naturally inside you and can't really be taught and brought out?
3: Mm. I would definitely say not a, not a natural phenomenon. Um, there's a really fantastic book by uh, Carol DeWick called Mindset. And she does this phenomenal job of creating this distinction between people who have a—and um, it really just comes down to the way that you were raised. You were either praised for being talented, like you brought home a good test grade, and your parents told you how, how you were a genius and amazing and can do no wrong. Uh, and then there's the other people who are growth minded, oriented type people, which are people who brought home a good test grade and their parents told um to talk to them about the effort that it took to provide that grade. So when you look at people who grew up in different conversations as they grow older, that tends to be kind of the the two mindsets at play. And you know, people who are Thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, or becoming an entrepreneur in some way, shape, or form, or following their heart, going after it, which I think is the biggest gift you can ever give yourself. Um, That mindset tends to be what's at play. The growth-oriented people will kind of work through challenges and, you know, look at how what's in front of them is an opportunity to grow and continue to grow the business uh, and themselves. And then the fixed-oriented, fixed-mindset-oriented people will look at challenges, get disappointed, and might even quit. So I think, it, and this is not to say, by the way, that we're locked into either mindset, plenty of science these days about uh, mindset, subconscious, health, et cetera, all being uh, very plastic and, and really just a matter of changing belief systems and reprogramming yourself. Uh, I think anybody who's going for it, uh, essentially what you're saying is I'm uh, Going to pursue this thing because I want to master it. Whether that's business, relationships, health, music doesn't really matter. Um, and if and if that's what's kind of sitting in the background is I'm here to master it, then it stops becoming um, a game to play in the short term. And it starts to become a, ga- a game to play in the long term now I think if you're if you're if you have that long-term vision of where you want to go then the choices that you make in the present moment or in the short term are going to be guided by that long-term vision if you're like okay let me give this a shot uh, I'm gonna try it you know as many people say um, and then the first unexpected thing happens which is inevitably going to happen to you you yeah you know your 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 basis for is to be like all right well I must not be good at this so let me give up but I really don't think that uh, anybody's born with any sort of natural ability. Well, I think certain people are more inclined to things, but there's there's not like a a talent gene by any stretch.
0: Well, it's a, well, I, I want to piggyback off that. So dealing with failure is something that uh, entrepreneurs and particularly entrepreneur musicians constantly have to encounter. It's not an easy path and. So when you encounter those first, you know, when you encounter that first bit of failure or every bit of failure that comes along the way, do you have any advice for musicians on how they can deal with that failure and stay motivated? Well, I'll
2: tell you a lesson I learned in sales ages ago, and it just transformed the way I look at life. And that is no is my second favorite answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really, I remember sitting there and when I first heard it, I was like, what would a moron? And then I was like, oh man, that's actually really, really smart. Cause look, a lot of the times, especially in music business, you need to hear hundreds, if not thousands of no's to finally get that yes. If you're going to take that no and make it personal, then you miss the point. A no is just that person at that time, whatever your music is, doesn't align with what their vision of whatever it is that they're building. It doesn't mean that your music isn't good. It doesn't mean that you're not good. It just means that they're a no to that as an opportunity. And you really want to hear no, because if someone's going to rope you along and, you know, maybe I'll, you're just wasting your time. So no is just second. Like second favorite answer. If you create that, then it just becomes that. The other thing is for Guy and I and any entrepreneur, when we have a podcast as well, and we interview a ton of entrepreneurs and we always have them share the story and kind of how they went through stuff. I can, after interviewing hundreds of entrepreneurs, I can tell you that there is not a single one that doesn't have the craziest story of of that moment, and I call it a moment, of when they made a very, very specific choice. And that choice was, am I all in? Am I fully 100% committed to this, no matter what? Like, to my dying breath, I will do this? Or they walk away? Because right before you have that breakthrough, life is going to look really grim. I mean, really grim, like just to give you the the 10, 15 second version of mine, I had a man, I hadn't been able to pay my mortgage. I was living on unemployment checks. I had a four month old baby. Guy and I were trying to build this business and I spent probably about six months busting my ass. We didn't make a penny. And a man rings my doorbell and tells me that my house is being foreclosed on. Which meant that at any given moment, they could just walk in and be like, all right, get the hell out of the house. And I would be on the street with my wife and my kid. And I remember distinctly standing at that door with every option to you know, get some shitty job that I knew I would have hated, et cetera. And I sat there. And with all this pain and all this like hurt and loser, I'm a loser conversations and I'm an idiot conversations ra- raveling in my head, I chose this. And I said that no matter what, this is my path. And I will make it work no matter what. And we had plenty of other opportunities where money got stolen from us and we got taken, all of it, right? And it didn't matter. It was all part of the journey. Like all of that was growing pains and all of that was helping us be the better coaches, trainers, leaders, entrepreneurs that we are today.
0: Wow. That is something else. That's quite a story. Um, So it it almost sounds like to be successful as an entrepreneur, like, do you have to, do you have to be willing to burn the bridge? Like, you know, do you have to, is it, can you, you have to be able to make the commitment that this is what I'm doing and I can't turn back because if you're willing to accept other paths out, then you're never going to have the commitment needed to succeed as an entrepreneur.
2: Yeah. Wow. You got to burn the boats. What? Who was that? The 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 captain, bro. Do you remember?
0: Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name. But
2: burn he, the some, boats. Yes. Some <laughs> explorer. Yeah. Yeah. Some some Spanish um, guy landed and just like burned all the boats, and then his his uh, people just had to survive and and go you know make do. I I think if there's a option B, you're basically sending mixed signals through your subconscious to conscious mind, and if that is not fully aligned, and there is the option B, I call the trap door, then you operate like there's a way out. Here's the thing, as a human being, when we are put in situations where our backs are against the wall, or we're in a corner, guess what we do? We thrive. It, it is predetermined, it's a survival mechanism, and so, I don't, you guys probably follow a ton of musicians that you look up to as role models. I guarantee you that every single one that you look up to, when you maybe thought like they're an overnight success, bullshit. If they told you their life story of what it took them to get to where they are today, you wouldn't, for most of you, you'd be like, I'm not willing to go through that. And, and you just have to know that as an entrepreneur, there's not a single person that I've ever interviewed that doesn't have one of those stories.
0: I would say every art artist, every indie artist I've ever, ever interviewed who's achieved any kind of success has had the back-against-the-wall moment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So now that, since, I, since I have two you know, entre, you know, great entrepreneurial minds here, I'm sure there are plenty of pervasive myths when it comes to entrepreneurialism and, you know, building a business on your own terms, uh, can you sort of bust, uh, you know, identify and bust, uh, at least one myth, particularly when it comes to uh, musicians and entrepreneurialism. <laughs> uh,
3: interesting about the musician part. Yeah. I mean, look, I think any, any myth is that, you know, overnight success is a thing. Uh, most overnight success people, it's like, yeah, overnight plus 10 years. And then this moment happened overnight and that's when success came. Uh, I think if you want to travel a mile, uh, most people are just looking how to bend the rules, um, not not get the true lessons. I, you know, perfect example is like people who win the lottery. Those people haven't built the capacity to even hold a container to have that kind of wealth. And if you look at the statistics, I think it's like 95% of them uh, end up poorer than they were when they had the money, they've lost relationships and stuff like that. And I think that points to what happens when you get early success, even in our industry with all the entrepreneurs we've worked with, um, we know that if someone makes a sale like really early on uh, in their experience, we call that the kiss of death because that person that person's now left with the illusion that they know what to do they'll take that money they'll dump it back into the business and because they have no capacity of what to do with that money they lose all of it and then are, are more in the red than they were when they started so i think um years ago i coached this girl cheryl and cheryl's actually a really successful uh musician um i won't use her last name just for privacy reasons um <clears throat> but you know, what What I remember thinking when I saw Cheryl about what she was doing, she did a lot of uh, her own music. I, I saw her do a, f- a few album releases pretty successfully. Uh, but her main gig was actually doing commercial jingles, kind of like these catchy commercial jingles. And I thought to myself, oh, that's interesting, because I always think about musicians and kind of this like linear path, like you want to get on the radio, you want to sell your album, you want to do like the live show stuff. And I think just like with any industry, there there is an expansive way to contribute and share your creativity and share your message. And, and I think what's really beautiful about this time in history right now, if you look at the statistics, um, more millennials, which is about, you know, that let's say like the early 20s to kind of or even teenagers to like 35 years old right now are following people on YouTube more more readily than they follow Hollywood celebrities. So we've kind of got to this point where it's not like you have to be this mega superstar that's worldwide known to make a difference, impact people with your message or anything like that. If you're true to yourself, if you're authentic in your delivery, uh, if you have integrity with what you do, the right people will be magnetized to you anyway. That's like phenomenology 101, right? You put out You put out who you are authentically, you will find the right people attracted to you. And I think that's really beautiful that we're kind of in this place and time where whether it's books or music, we can self-publish, put our work out there and just see what kind of people we're attracting. It'll let you know a lot about who you are as a performer, what you're communicating and just really the general energy that you're outputting because that's what you're attracting back to yourself. So I think for a lot of musicians, it's like they look at the top of the mountain and they want to create that kind of uh, movement where it's like. No, you can absolutely have a business you love, impact people, get your message out there, you know, and and impact whoever you end up impacting. And if that's the focus, I think you're going to enjoy the ride.
0: Well, to have that kind of impact, it's critical to be able to market yourself effectively online, have a strong online presence, a strong website, email list, social media presence. So. In that regard, what are some of the pitfalls that you see young entrepreneurs commonly encountering with respect to their internet marketing, and how can they avoid those pitfalls?
2: Great question. I actually, when you asked the myth question, here's what I wrote down. Great musicians make it. Mm. And I think today, sadly, sadly, I think today great marketing creates musicians. Um, You know, the the stuff that we have to listen to on the radio is just abysmal. And I'm like, (laughs) how are these people, the people that we have to listen to today? And it's just all pure marketing. It's just branding and marketing. And so I think across many, many industries, especially in the arts, whereas before your art could carry you, I think today, if you're going to try to make it, you have to be good at a lot of different, a lot of different aspects, marketing being one of them. You, if you know marketing well, like the reason Guy and I didn't become coaches right away and studied marketing at first was because we didn't want to walk around and cold call people and ask people, hey, do you need a coach? Do you know anybody that needs? Like, I'm not doing that, right? It doesn't it doesn't feel good to me? I don't need that kind of experience in my life. When you're marketing, all you're learning to do is to build your own stage. And one of the biggest myths and misconceptions is that in order to be a seven-figure earner, you need to be selling millions of products. You don't. If you have a 1,000 fans who are obsessed with what you do, you will most likely be a millionaire. So... For a musician to find a 1,000 people that are obsessed with what they do, I'm not talking like they they listen to a song and they're like, yay, thumbs up. I'm saying like they will go anywhere to see one of your shows, like those kind of fans. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, I would spend time learning marketing. In fact, like you're probably a really good musician if you're listening to this, right? You know how to play. You know how to sing. You know how to do your thing. I would invest a lot of time in marketing. I would figure out how to use social media to my benefit. I would start following people in the industry that are doing things well. I would get into masterminds around how to use social media to blow up a brand. You are the brand. It is brand you, right? And so I know one woman who um, she's a friend of a friend, got a deal And she started on Facebook, she would post a video every Monday, and she would create an original song every Monday that she would play. And uh, Neo, that artist Neo, actually caught on, like, you know, you do something consistently over time, you get more and more and more fans, and more and more people are going to share that, et cetera. He ended up signing her for a deal. she wasn't like hustling in clubs or doing anything like that. It's just something that she loved. So she put herself out there and stuff like that happens all the time. I mean, Justin Bieber was found on YouTube, right? Um, I just think if you're not doing that and you're like, Oh, I don't need that. I'll just play gigs and clubs and stuff like that. I think you're missing a massive opportunity.
0: Oh, it's, it's uh, all the more critical now. And you brought up a great point about having a thousand devoted fans. The music industry has really changed. Um, it's its whole dynamic and we've talked about this on the podcast before, guys, that you know, in the, the old industry model, the you know, record label model was all about trying to get millions of people to spend, you know, ten dollars on you or spend ninety-nine cents on you by buying your record. And now in you know where there is no such thing as recorded, you know, music anymore, it's all streaming, uh the, the whole model's flipped. It's all about now finding that devoted cultish tribe of fans finding a thousand people who are willing to spend a hundred dollars on you in, 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 uh, streaming payments, crowdfunding campaigns, live performances, merchandise. And if you can get that tribe, you now have a job that can support you. And if you can get that thousand, if you can get a thousand people to give you a thousand dollars, like, uh, like Guy and Elon said, now you have a real fully functioning, very lucrative music career, but it's all about Mm -hmm. It's all about getting a small number of people to really love you instead of just getting you know millions of people to kind of be you know okay with you, yeah, you, you know because in the in the new industry model, having a million people who just think you're okay, all they're doing is checking you out on YouTube or streaming you once on Spotify for you know six tenths of a cent per stream. you're not going to make any money that way. It's all about getting that strong tribe of fans who are really willing to spend a lot of money on you and internet marketing is the key to that. Absolutely.
2: Totally.
3: And I I think also look as a, as a fan, as someone who's a DJ, like something I love is finding like an indie artist or somebody that's small and unknown. And I feel like I found this needle in a haystack and I get really, really excited about that artist or about a specific track or a DJ. Right. And then you're going to go, you're going to look them up on social media. Um, And the beautiful part is there are so many supporting systems today uh, both in the software realm but also with uh, whether you want to get produced or whether you want to just sell uh, even merchandise like you were saying it's not like you have to go and even buy inventory today. There are plenty of websites you can go and just you know strap your logo on a whole bunch of stuff and do like a little Kickstarter on your website and just sell products and you are today kind of like a self-sustained business within yourself. Of course, it helps to have like distribution channels without a doubt. but I'm sure just like with this podcast or or like in our industry where there's, Podcasts and mindset development and entrepreneurialism—it's really just kind of getting out there and connecting, you know, with with people like us and and these kind of podcasts and just letting people know that you're out there, having them check you out, and then again, just really having that authentic voice, uh, letting people decide for themselves whether they like you or not. And a lot of times, it's saying something that does polarize people, and where some people are going to absolutely love you, and other people are going to despise what you're saying for whatever reason, you know, people are going to have opinions as long as long as they're breathing. Um, I I think, you know, having having any kind of business where you get to express yourself. uh, One of the things that Elon and I have gotten super clear about over the years is that if you are a person that's not experiencing power, freedom and full self-expression, you are pretty much a human being with one foot in in the grave waiting for your turn to go. Mm -hmm. And I and I think that that's a really beautiful part about being artistic. I know before I really had any artistic outlets, I would look at people who were songwriters or musicians or singers and say like, wow, like they have this incredible passion that they're following and it actually made me jealous. And and I think that's the beautiful part about sharing uh, what you're passionate about, especially with a lot of enthusiasm, is that it actually invites other people who are kind of standing on the sidelines Uh, to come and play and invite them to really go for it also Uh, i feel like music is definitely one of those things that does that sure
0: it is i'm so grateful to you guys for lending us this fantastic insight and i want to give the listeners an opportunity to be able to find out more about you and to get more where this came from how can people find you guys on social media and uh, find out more about your podcast and your other resources
2: So the best place to, I'll give you a couple. So the best place is just go to our website, which is satoriprime.com, S-A-T-O-R-I prime.com. We also have, like Ryan said, our own podcast, which is Have It All. So you can search for that on iTunes or Stitcher, or even if you go on uh, YouTube, you can find uh, some episodes on our channel. And if you enjoyed this conversation, then we definitely go into much more depth about these kind of tools and distinctions and things like that. And then lastly, I'll, I'll give you guys our uh, personal emails. If you want to follow up on anything that we've said here or any of our content that you go through, mine is Elon, I L a N at Satori Prime.com, And guys is G U Y at Satori Prime.com.
0: Wonderful. And now before we let you go, gentlemen, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there? To help them move their careers forward, I'm gonna I'm gonna get one from each of you here. I'm gonna make this a twofer. <laughs> Bro, go first.
3: Oh man, uh, I would just say kind of what I I, I invited you to before to have that long term vision. If if in your heart, uh, what's in there is to just uh, be a singer songwriter, you're you're probably gonna hit a lot of dead ends, and I think you're gonna get that in any creative field. Um, I think it's always worth the investment of looking at I want to master a specific craft. And when you take on the context of mastery, everything, every experience, every relationship, every quote unquote failure becomes an opportunity not to not to just grow as an artist, but to grow as a person. And I think if you have that context in mind that this is just making me into the best person I can be and everything is serving uh, to my greatest and for the best outcome, uh, you're going to enjoy the ride a lot, a lot more. Yeah,
2: agreed. I would just add become a student and not just of music, but of life, human behavior, marketing, things like that. Um, share with you one or two books that have made massive impact in our lives. One, I would say, uh, is The Surrender Experiment. That's by Michael Singer. It'll just give you a whole other view of what is possible in your life, and then the other one for those that haven't read, what you guys are on a journey of is an, a journey of mastery. And there's a book by Robert Greene called Mastery, um, and it debunks so many myths, even things that you were asking us today about, Ryan, like you know, are people born with a certain innate talent or gene or whatever? And it goes through musicians, it goes through athletes, it goes through business people. And it just debunks all these crazy myths that we have, like they were born with something. No, they just worked harder than anybody else at a task that they were obsessed with. And they lived, <laughs> they lived, breathed, ate all of it all the time. And I think for musicians, that's very, very natural. So those would be my tips.
0: Fantastic. You can check them out at SatoriPrime.com and be sure to check out that podcast of theirs. Have it all. Guy, Elon, thank you so much for your time.
2: Thanks, guys. Thank you, brother.
0: And thank you all very much for listening. We'll see you next week on the Break the Business Podcast.